My guest today is a dancer, performer, model, and paramedic, part of the esteemed House of Labasia. You've seen her walking the runway at New York Fashion Week and seen her dance as part of several different productions. I am happy to have with me today the marvelous Sasha Labasia. Yay! First of <laughs> Thanks all... Thanks for having me. No, of course. Um, first of all, am I pronouncing it right? Yes, you are. Okay. That's... La Beja, darling. Great. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> My I... family, you know, they, they love to go, uh, you can't just say La Beja, you have to say La Beja, darling. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have the title, you might as well put a little pizzazz right. to it. I'm like, don't put don't put Splenda on that. Give that extra sugar. <laughs> For sure. So you grew up and lived in Massachusetts a lot of your life. What mm-hmm. made you decide to come to New York? Um, uh, several things, several factors. So my whole life, ever since I was little, I wanted to dance. Like I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, I had always danced and done some theater. And I was in chorus. I was singing. I did some acting, not as much as the, you know, the singing and the dancing. Um, but I always wanted to dance in New York. I knew that for a fact. And my mom's side of the family, she originally is from Switzerland. That's where she came from when she was little. But her, a lot of her family members lived in New York. So when I was little, I would come down here and we would go to Broadway shows, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. And I just fell in love with it. I was literally that kid with like stars in her eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to do that. That's going to be me someday, you know. Um, I just took a uh, more of a winding, twisty path to get here, I would say. Gotcha. So in your Instagram, you describe yourself in the order that I read in the intro, dancer, performer, model, and paramedic. Mm-hmm. So would you say that dancer is the thing that you would generally describe yourself yes. as asked to describe? Yes, definitely. What got you into dancing? I danced ever since I was really little. I think like the first the first kind of dance that I learned was the waltz from my grandfather because he was Viennese from Austria and that Ooh. is like mm-hmm. the thing that is the dance that you do there. And ballet is also very popular, so I think a lot of that, you know, classical music, classical art influence from him and teaching me the waltz when I, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still learning my left from my right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of my introduction. And then my family moved down to the Caribbean when I was little. I was like four, three or four. And then I started learning African and Caribbean dance and, you know, different kinds of Latin dance like salsa and bachata. And it kind of grew from there because I started taking classes with um, an ex-Ailey dancer, Alvin Ailey dancer down there. How was that experience living in the Caribbean? I was really lucky because, and I I don't even want to say the word lucky so much as fortunate to live in a neighborhood and on an island in general that at that time felt very accepting of people from different parts of the world living together Mm -hmm. and just existing together without any issue. Because I think my sister and I, we were probably some of the only kind of quote-unquote white people or, you know, European-American people in our neighborhood. I think pretty much everyone else was, like, from South America, the Caribbean, Africa, maybe Portugal a little bit. But, yeah, it was definitely, like, a a mixed group. It was really cool. And then when did you end up coming back to the States? Um, We were only there for a few years. So 
we moved back to Massachusetts and then I kept dancing and um, more and more styles and then started competing and that kind of stuff. You have such a performative nature about you. How does <laughs> Talk one with my hands. <laughs> how does one stumble into being a paramedic? Um <laughs> I woke up one day and someone had <laughs> drugged me into the no. <laughs> um, legal drugs, of course. Yeah. Um, I I always loved medicine and I studied psychology and dance in college, and a lot of cognitive and behavioral psych and understanding how the brain works with things like trauma. I always had trouble trying to figure out how to you how do you merge, you know this dance and theater and performance side of your brain with the medical side, like the left and the right brain. Yeah. Um, so I kept dancing and training and being in companies while I was going to EMT school and then to paramedic school. And then I went back and did um, other classes like prerequisites for another program. So I, I think it was like, it was hard for me to, think about not using that side of my brain mm -hmm. and still kind of using the side that allowed me to do things like work with patients. I used to work for, um, they called it Every Women's Center mm -hmm. at UMass and Amherst. And I did advocation for victims of domestic abuse and that kind of thing. Um, I worked on a hotline and I always wanted to find a way to use my training to help people. And also when I was dancing, find ways to help people express themselves better mm -hmm. because I see a lot of value in things like art therapy. Yeah. Um, it really changes people. Mm -hmm. I've seen that with my own eyes. So I think it was kind of this dichotomy of like, I want to do two things and I know I'm going to dance more, but I'm going to study medicine now. It was kind of just me knowing that this is where the path is going right now. Yeah. I don't really know how it is specifically other than I really wanted to study medicine I was so drawn to it mm -hmm. and I'm an adrenaline junkie yeah. <laughs> so that's how I ended up being a paramedic was because I wanted to um, practice the most extreme form of medicine because I like problem solving and I like being creative. People don't typically associate let's say being a paramedic with also being a performer or a dancer etc. Yeah. However would you say that there is anything you took from your time being a paramedic that you found applicable and helpful in all the oh other things. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I have discovered, this is crazy. It sounds really um, unexpected maybe, but a lot of the people that I work with now in the fashion world and the dance world are like ex-military mm -hmm. or ex-Air Force, or they were MPs, military police. And I think that somehow we find each other because we have the ability to be highly organized and prioritize really fast, mm -hmm. uh, out of partially out of necessity from our past job experiences. But then also we have that creative side, so we know how to bounce ideas off of each other and make things happen quickly. You know, I had excellent partners mm -hmm. um, in medicine and working in an emergency room. And so a lot of those practices carried over to working at fashion shows and helping people backstage and everything's fast paced and you, you get better at prioritizing. So I'm curious before you became a member, mm -hmm. how did you stumble upon the house of La Beja? <laughs> My 
best friend, Derek LaBeja, mm-hmm. became my dance mentor and my partner. And he never told me that he was in the house until I had known him probably at least a couple years. So he kept it a secret because I think he didn't really want, um, he didn't want to be one of those people who just precedes everything with a title, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm a LaBeja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would be like, yes, darling, we are fabulous, but I don't <laughs> need to tell everyone at the very beginning of a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, you waited like two years. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, I just didn't want to be that guy. And I was like, okay, well, so I, I was in Boston. I had moved there for college. I was taking his dance classes and he was teaching like hip hop and jazz. Um, he's from New York originally and he was like an Ailey student, all that jazz. So I started taking his class, became his friend. We started dancing together, doing duets and that kind of thing. And then he told me he was a LaBeja and he was like, I kind of, I want to bring you to a ball. Like, I feel like you would really fit in that world, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, what is that world? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what it was until I started hanging out, like really hanging out with him mm-hmm. and hearing stories from him about what ballroom was from back in the day. Because um, he's one of the original members of the house. Like he lived with Pepper LaBeja. What made you decide to try and join? Um, it was It was Derek's idea because in Boston, there's definitely a ballroom scene, but it's not as big as in New York. So he said, you know, like, I want you to go to a ball in Boston and I want you to just, you know, watch people walk the runway and Vogue, um, Vogue Femme or Twister or whatever the category is and like get a better sense of it. And then in his class, you incorporate sometimes old way into his choreography. So I was learning it, but I wasn't I wasn't really seeing it up close for a little while. Mm hmm. And then he was saying, well, I really think you should come to a ball. So I started going to balls with him. And then I was like, oh, that's what it is. Because mm-hmm. seeing a ball and seeing people compete in person is nothing like watching a clip. You know, mm-hmm. there that kind of energy is like nothing I've ever seen in terms of like very raw, it, improvised, like hitting the floor with everything you got mm-hmm. kind of energy. Would you say that it was love at first sight for you? Yeah, definitely. Because Derek is a very theatrical person. Mm -hmm. And so when he said, like, you don't know what's coming, like, you're going to love it. I can't explain it. Then I finally understood what he was talking about. What is the admittance process like? I think there's a number of different ways, honestly. Like, okay, because of the fact that I was taking Derek's class all the time, he was watching me grow as a dancer and as a performer. And when he wanted, you know, someone to perform with, if he was like creating a duet or something, we were always practicing together. I was taking his class. You know, we were we were friends. We were always together. So he was actually the father of the house. Mm -hmm. And he hadn't told me because I think he didn't. I think it was a couple of things. He's humble, first of all. And I think he also didn't want me to feel pressure mm-hmm. yet to be at a certain level when I had just started learning about it. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, at least I'll, I'll give Derek as an example, he picks people based on not necessarily them having already reached a certain pinnacle, 
um, but seeing that potential in them. Because when he met me, like, I didn't know about the Vogue world yeah. much. I knew about it. I knew some history, but I didn't know his history, mm-hmm. you know. I knew things from, like, Paris is Burning and more generic or commonly known information we get from social media and, and so forth. So I think that a lot of it for him was who was he around, who was taking his class, who was performing with him. He calls a lot of us his kids. Gotcha. <laughs> and I'm like his his best friend and his kid in a way, you know. Who else has the power to make someone a member? There's more than one father of the house. And we have a mother of the house, too. Uh, Kia Labeja has been one of the mothers of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from New York. Derek, he's also from New York. And then we have Freddie LaBeja, who is currently the overall father. But then we also have fathers of different chapters mm-hmm. because the House of LaBeja is all over the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can have like a New York father. You can ha- have a Boston father. And then you get out to Europe mm-hmm. <laughs> and beyond Mexico, same thing. So any of those people have that ability and then also you know they have they have the people that they call the four g's who are very well established who've uh, competed they've walked balls they've made a name for themselves you know people study their style and a lot of times try to you know learn certain signature moves of theirs or whatever the the runway walk maybe so it's it's not just the fathers and mothers of the house, but also, you mm. know, certain people who've been competing and performing for a period of time. What would you say from your experience is the thing that makes the House of LaBeja distinct? Oh, there's a lot of things. But one of them is a thing that people love to argue about. And people like to argue about the fact that it's the oldest house mm-hmm. there i think there are a few other houses that will argue they've been around for about the same period of time i think it's a combination of being one of the oldest houses and having some incredibly legendary members like crystal mm-hmm. and like pepper mm-hmm. you know and a lot of those figures have been in movies like paris is burning yeah. and that sort of thing so i think those are a few of the factors and also the fact that now the house is involved in documentaries about ballroom. Yeah. They keep elevating every year. And I think one of the things is that everyone is very versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, we have incredible runway people like Ivan LaBeja. Mm-hmm. And then we have like face queens and we have like, I, I just feel like it. we have a little bit of everything represented in our house. For the people at home that perhaps aren't familiar with houses that much in general, what does it mean to be part of a house, generally speaking? Part of the history of being in a house is that people literally lived together in houses mm-hmm. and they had, you know, like a house mother or father that they lived with. Yeah. And that has really changed because that doesn't really happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was out of necessity because kids were being kicked out of their homes for being gay, being trans, yeah. non-conforming. So when Derek talks about it from his history, he remembers when people were like, kicked out of their home and then disowned Mm -hmm. so i try to um you know uphold the the memory of the people who went through that and understand that you know we really should support each other as a house because 
that's that was like the original point of it. It's not just to be a performance to make connections with other people too. Yeah. You know. With Pose becoming more and more popular and shining a light for the house ballroom scene in the mainstream again. Yeah. Have you, you felt like that's had any impact at all on the scene from your perspective? I think so. I really do. Um some of even some of my friends in the house have been on Pose, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like my auntie on Egypt Labasia has mm. been on the show and she'll randomly send me a picture here or there. Mm. Like, hey, check it out. And I'm like, oh my, my <laughs> friends and my family are so amazing. <laughs> I'm like, no big deal. She's just on the set of Pose right now. Um, <laughs> but I think it's made, I think it's made the ballroom community more visible, especially for gay and trans youth and non-conforming youth, especially of minority backgrounds like being african-american being puerto rican-american caribbean and so forth because that is historically those are groups that have been so oppressed for so long that i think it's like it almost feels like a revolution in some ways Mm -hmm. and that's just me seeing it that way from where i'm standing because i'm not i'm not coming at it from that point of view yeah but i can see it happening in front of me and um I think it's really amazing because I think it's really overdue. What would you say so far, spanning everything in your career, mm-hmm. is your proudest accomplishment? Oh, man. Um, I would say there's like a there's a transition that it's the combination of two things that I'm really proud of. And I think it's using like all of the, you know, the paramedic skills mm-hmm. and that hardcore training that I had to push myself to come to New York and pursue like theater and dance and uh, modeling because you use a lot of the same skills in some ways, but um, coming here to do that is a really huge challenge. So you have to, you have to hit the ground running. And when people say no and reject you, you just have to go, all right, well, check that off the list of 5,000 things I'm probably going to get rejected from today and just move on with my life, you know, mm-hmm. cause that's how New York is. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's a that's a way to look at it like all right I'm taking all all of these tools that I used from that job and from that training and I'm going to find a new way to to use them while I'm here on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. What's the worst you've ever bombed either a performance, a dance or a modeling gig? <laughs> uh and what's do you take away from it if anything at all? That's a really good question. <laughs> Um, oh man, I remember, okay, I remember in, I think it was an Urban Nutcracker in Boston, um, we had a person, I think they were sick, and last minute, you know, they had to tell the crew that they couldn't show up, so I had to learn, I think it was Russian, I was like in numerous scenes, and I was in every single show, and I had to learn that part, like, minutes before I went on wow (laughs) so of course I was like well that's just evil and you just don't do that to people but of course you do this is showbiz so Uh you know I'm just I'm like in my head going okay let's make it happen and um I think I I came out at like the wrong time 
but I, I made it look natural because I went right up behind one of the other dancers, like did a little semicircle around her and then just <laughs> joined in on the choreography because I was like, oh, wow, I have to reverse everything. Everything was done on the right leg before and now it's on the left. So, you know, you have to do that interactive, like looking at your partner and smiling and oh, now they're on the left foot. Great. Me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that was one of the hardest things when they change it up on you last minute, but it's it's just part of showbiz, you know? Yeah. And then people complimented me later and I was like, I don't know who you were watching. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, you're not necessarily that proud of yourself, but you're like, I got through it. Okay, mm-hmm. good. That's something, you know? This is, I guess, a little more serious. Mm-hmm. But what do you think are the biggest issues not being talked about in both and either the modeling and the dance worlds? Oh, well, the first thing that came to my mind Oh, there's two. Okay, wait. Uh, <laughs> Describe away. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing that is very common to both of them, I would say, is definitely um, the abuse that people put their bodies through. Mm-hmm. And I see the industry changing both for modeling and dance in terms of being accepting of different kinds of body types. So I think that because of the fact that, you know, if you want to go and walk New York Fashion Week, you go to castings, you go to auditions. I've had some people say some really nasty things to my face, which doesn't surprise me. Um, it would be nice to get rejections without like the two cents and the mm-hmm. the commentary. Um, because when you're not right for someone's fashion line or their aesthetic or whatever, like I'm not five foot nine. I'm yeah. shorter than that. And I'm a dancer, so I have muscles, you know. I have Uh some strength in my body that I use to dance. I've had people just literally come up to me and say, like, so, like, um, you're the makeup artist, right? And I was like, no, I'm a model. And they were like, oh, so. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. You're, like, not really tall enough. And I was like, no, I mean, you know, I have heel. I can walk in, like, six and seven inch heels. Um, And I've had designers say, like, yeah, so, like, that's not going to work for me. Like, your butt's, like, really too big. And your hips are, like, they're, like, really out there. You know what I mean? Like, people will just say these things and you're, like, I mean, I feel pretty good. Because uh-huh. I've come to a point where I accept my body. Yeah. And I didn't used to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really long process, but I think we still, we have a ways to go in both of those worlds. And it's the same with dancers, especially with ballerinas. I also see especially I would say more so with um, the fashion world. There are people who see that you have a dream, you have big goals. And I've seen some photographers, for example, or producers of shows hold like opportunities in front of you, Mm -hmm. but make you feel like they're not going to actually offer them or make them a reality unless you show interest in them. And you show interest in dating them Ugh. or something of that nature. And I'm like, well, that's gross because I came here to work. Yeah. And like, that's what we all should be here for. I read that modeling is something that you kind of came to later than the rest of the things we've yeah. described. What was the biggest difficulty for you when you first started out? Um, I think just getting over some of the BS that people say to your face, like, you know, about your body and that kind of thing. Because once you realize that their opinions really, they don't matter, like you can take it as constructive criticism. 
but you don't need to let it ruin your day or make you feel like you can't do that thing because this one person thinks you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, you, If you want to be successful, especially in New York, you have to go in there with almost a blindfold on and say, not today, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that. Like, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to, cheerlead get my pom-poms out for a second something you have to have that moment with yourself and go whatever happens it's still cool i'm Mm -hmm. still gonna do me you know i think that's really important gotcha so since you've been a part of both at this point for a number of years would you say that there's a noticeable difference between like the massachusetts and the new york dance scenes at all um i would say yeah definitely there are some differences although i think a lot of smaller cities like Boston, um, sometimes they get a rap for not having, you know, like as many resources, as many studios and um, as many amazing dancers and teachers. Mm-hmm. And I know so many amazing teachers and dancers up there. And um, some of them are from other parts of the world or they grew up in Boston or they grew up in New York. But I think it's a visibility thing, you know, and some of the people that I trained with in Boston where people like Derek, he was from New York, Adrian Hawkins. Um, she has been in Boston for a long time. She, she was in New York and she taught at Ailey and she did all that good stuff, but her company impulse has been around for a really long time. And Derek even danced with them before I did. Hmm. So a lot of these dancers have legacies, worldwide dance legacies. And it's the same in ballroom, I would say. Because, like, for example, Tariq is one of the first Vogue dancers that I met in Boston. And he's one of the most amazing performers, Mm -hmm. period, that I've ever seen, you know. And then, like, my friend Blue Richardson, he started dancing and voguing. And now he's in a a dance program and being offered all these crazy opportunities to dance professionally. And you can see, like, ballroom community helps to foster that in a lot of ways. So I'm seeing people, you know, who are in their teens, 20s, go on to study dance and become dance teachers and professionals. And um, then I'm even seeing people in their 30s, 40s, if they pick up dance later, when you're with the right people, you can make it happen. I firmly believe that. And speaking of making it happen, I have two parting questions. (laughs) Mariah Carey, make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So my two questions are, do you have any advice for people that are trying to make it into the dance scene? And do you Mm -hmm. have any advice for people that are trying to make it into the modeling scene? Definitely. So if if I'm addressing dance first, I'll say, like for me, I've had um, an injury. Well, two actually. So my hamstring is my recent injury. And there are times when that frustrates me because I'm like, oh, I can't do everything the way I'm supposed to. And... The key is to find that middle ground, you know, keep going to class, figure out what are your weaknesses, work on them outside of class. And, you know, even in class, if you find dancers that you really admire and maybe they're they're finding a way to like do that quadruple, quintuple, pirouette or whatever it is, mention that to them later. Wow, I saw that turn. That was great. You know, and if you start talking to people about their technique or if they have little little corrections or things that they can offer or maybe that somebody offered them, you can use that on your own body, you Mm -hmm. know? So I would say 
talking to your teacher or talking to someone who seems to really be getting that thing that you feel like you're missing, whatever it is, is really helpful. And being okay with the fact that you can't, you're going to criticize yourself and feel like not everything I do is perfect, right? So how do I improve? Mm -hmm. Focus more on the improving and less on the, oh my God, I'm not Barishnikov. What's Mm -hmm. wrong with me? (laughs) And I think it's similar in modeling actually too. If you see someone that you think has like a devastating walk Mm -hmm. and you want to figure out like, how do I take bigger strides and feel comfortable in my giant heels or like whatever it is, you know? Um, go and talk to a person that you admire and that you think is doing it really well. For me, I always felt confident walking in big heels because I danced in heels Mm -hmm. for different classes and performances. But I think another thing is, you know, uh, the body struggle that a lot of people had and I had it too. So when you do that work on yourself and figure out, you know, not just how do I get better at my craft, but how do I put myself in more situations that push me, even if they make me uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. even if it's like going out and dancing in a club where you don't know a lot of people to a style of music that you don't dance to all the time. Go do that Mm -hmm. because it's going to make you so much better and you're not going to get better until you do stuff that scares the crap out of you. Mm -hmm. You know, I really believe that. Those are wonderful words of wisdom to end on. So with that, Where can the people find you, follow you, or consume any media that you may be a part of? Ah, consuming media. (laughs) It is very tasty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have an Instagram, and it's Sash Molina, S-A-S-H-M-E-L-I-N-A. And um, that has, like, has dance stuff. It has fashion stuff, like runway videos and fun things like that. And then I have a Facebook, too. My sister has been yelling at me because I don't tweet with the Twitters of the world. So, like, I might do that. Um, I have Facebook, which is Sasha M. Lynn. And I think that's it for social media. And then I'm working on a website right now. I'm going to be performing for Raw pretty soon. I have to get the dates confirmed. Um, But I could definitely forward that info to you. Because that's a really fun, like, interactive show. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I love it. Of course.